When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast, a podcast on the Edmonton Oilers for Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun hockey beat writer Jim Matheson has been on the road with the Oilers for the last week and a half, starting in Germany, where the team played an exhibition game in center Leon Dreisaitl's hometown of Cologne, followed by their regular season debut in Gothenburg, Sweden against the New Jersey Devils, a 5-2 loss. And now the Oilers will make their debut on North American ice on Thursday, facing the host Boston Bruins potentially tough matchup as are most of their games at the beginning of the 2018-19 NHL schedule. I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Maddie and fellow hockey writer Derek Van Deest about the seemingly uphill battle the Oilers face in the schedule, reaction to their loss in Sweden, lineup changes on the bottom two forward lines for the Boston game, the continuing education of the young defense, which includes rookie Evan Bouchard and does not include Andre Sakura, the veteran who is out until at least January. to Jim Matheson in Boston. Hello, Maddie. How are you doing? Good. And Derek Van Deest here in Edmonton with me, but in a different spot in the journal newsroom. Hello, Derek. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine. Maddie, how are you reacclimating to North America after spending a week in Europe? Uh, not too bad. It's uh, 82 degrees here in Boston today. That's Fahrenheit. It's a little warmer here in Boston than it is in Edmonton. It's certainly nicer than it was in Europe. It rained every day in Europe. And the time difference was a little easier coming back than going to uh, uh, Europe. And not just for the uh, old-timer sports writers, for the players, too, because they kept waking up at 4 o'clock uh, every, uh, every morning. And uh, been going to bed at 11, 11.30, and they're up five hours later. So it was tough on them. And uh, they had to play a game. I just uh, had a report on it. I guess, Matt, I just want to ask you about that acclimation. The Golders have practiced a couple times now. How do they look? How do they feel, I guess, going to the game tomorrow? Uh, not as well as they could have felt if they'd won the game against yeah. New Jersey. They'd won 5-2. 
you know, there's a fine line they're walking now between urgency to win this game and panic in the streets if they lose again and go 0 2 when they've, you know, they've talked uh, at nauseum players and uh, the coaching staff that they have to get off to a much better start than they did last year and not dig themselves a hole. So uh, they had two good practices at uh, Bruins practice rink, uh, moving the puck around well. But the problem with the orders is they haven't played any games. Yeah. They played one game. So you can you can work the kinks out in some game situations, but we only played one game. Uh, it's tough to figure out, okay, who, what is my lineup? Who works best? Whatever. When you've only played the one game that counts, and the game against Cologne, uh, Leon Dreisaitl's dad's team didn't count. It was another exhibition game. So uh, they did not, did not play well against Jersey. They looked flat after all those good performances in the preseason, and they cannot look flat tomorrow against Boston, or they'll be 0 2. Now, we bring up the uh, loss to New Jersey, and of course, that's our only game to talk about. And you know, other teams have already played, what, two or three times. Waters have played once, and they have a long layover between that game and tomorrow's Thursday's game in Boston, um, there's been a lot of, you know, predictably negative reaction. The orders looked flat in Sweden against the Devils. Uh, Maddie, what's your takeaway on the Oilers and their play and what people should be focusing on now? Well, they, they didn't, they couldn't get the puck out of their end in, in uh, Sweden against New Jersey. Uh, they had trouble getting it out and then Jersey just kept bringing it back in and Jersey was faster, smarter, and full measure for the 5-2. Uh, if they play that way against the Bruins, a better team than New Jersey, I don't like the Oilers' chances. But they seem to have, you know, they're not writing it off. But as Milan Lucic today said, we can not say it's only one game, we got 81 left. We did that last year. And then there was 71 left. And then there was 61 left. And then before we knew it, he says, there was 40 games left, and we were out of it. So they can't fall back on the, oh, it's just another game. We'll get them next, next time out. They need to be starting to put some good games together. And if not winning them, at least looking like they're going to win them. And that, that game against New Jersey after the first period, there was no chance they were going to win that hockey game. And they were a 5-2 loser. And, and it wasn't close at all after the first 20 minutes. Uh, Jim, last year, the Oilers at Achilles heels, basically they were giving up goals on the first shots of periods. Come in here, they talk a good game, they're ready to go. They gave up a goal in the first shot of the first period, give up a goal in the first shot of the second period. Is that something that the guys have discussed at all has come into play, or is that something that you don't want to go, oh, here we go again, we're giving up the goal, the shots on, on the goals on, on early shots? Well, it's only the negative sports writers who bring that up, <laughs> and, the, and the fans at home watching on TV yeah, probably exactly. say, well, not a first shot again. The players don't want to think about it. Now, the first goal that Paul Mary scored was a really good shot. The guy came in off the boards unmolested. It wasn't like one of those ones where Cam gave it up five hole from 30 feet out. I mean, that was a good shot by a guy who can really shoot. Uh, the second goal, the first goal in the second period, if I'm not mistaken, was a power play to go, goal two where he squeezed it through. Cam, that was not a good goal. Yeah. So you're right. Um, they got to get over the hump and, and at least get into the game. Yeah. If, when you're down one nothing early, then you, you know you're thinking, "Oh man, we got to get that goal back so quickly." And at least get into the game, fill your way into it, and they cannot keep giving up first goals of the game. And Cam has to play better than he did in New Jersey after what I thought was an excellent preseason, 
And he has had lots of success against Boston, though, in his career. He's four and one. That's one of the, the teams he plays best against. Uh, so I don't think this is one of those those games where Camus says, oh, I have trouble beating this team. No, he beats Boston most times he plays Boston. So he's, been, he's played much better than Tuka Rask will get the start for Boston. And it's hard to look ahead. I mean, we in some ways we want to just forget about the Devils game, even though it does count in the in the standings. They don't want to be 0-4 before they return to Evanston for their home opener. Uh, if they're 0-4 uh, and then play – Boston, uh, Nashville, uh, Pittsburgh, and Washington. That's not a regular. (laughs) Those are home games, but those are pretty good teams they're playing. So uh, they have to be two and two, I think, coming home. They they have to find a way to win these next two games. And and Winnipeg will be a very very tough task, you know, because Winnipeg's got a better team than the Oilers now and they're playing at home. It'll be a tough task to end the road trip. So. I think they got to be two and two. I don't think, think they come back one and three. And I think it behooves the Oilers to start looking like a team that's willing to throw away last year and start again, not not play like, oh, here we go again. And then the fans are asking the questions and so are the media guys asking the questions and certainly the coaches asking the questions uh, if they continue to play the way are, they are. And, you know, one game in, uh, it looks like they're going to make a few lineup changes. If they'd won the game in New Jersey, I suspect it would have been the same lineup, you know, against Boston. But when you lose, uh, there are a few changes, you know. And as we all know, the changes usually aren't in the top two lines, though they're in the bottom two lines. Uh, you know, the top two lines are staying the same, but with Nugent Hopkins back after missing practice on Monday, but there's been some shuffling on the bottom uh, two lines. Um, Matt, I want to ask you about the back end. They're obviously a very young back end, and Last year, I thought they missed Andre Secker a lot. I, I think that was one of the the big issues. In game one, it looked like they missed Andre Secker a lot. Are those younger guys, are the Bennings, are the nurses, are those guys stepping up, or do they have to be a lot better? They need Andre Secker. Yeah. If they had, I mean, Secker takes a lot of heat from fans because oh, he doesn't shoot very hard, and he's not very physical, but he's played a lot of games in the league, and when he, when he plays his 20 minutes, it's a quietly effective 20 minutes. Uh, and at the end of the evening, you say, well, he didn't really screw up too badly. He made some good plays. And they need a veteran defenseman to play with either Benning or Nurse. Those two yeah. players playing together, is it, you know, it's t- difficult. You know, Benning's played 136 games and Nurse has played 199. That's not a lot of games for a pairing. Uh, the other defense as a whole is very young, apart from Chris Russell, who's over 30. So they need if they had Secker in the second pairing, Playing, say, with Nurse, and this, you know, and Andre move over to the right side. That would give him two pairings, and then Chris Russell could play with Benning, say, on the third pairing. Yeah. I don't know where that would put Evan Bouchard, but that would have that would at least be three pairings. Uh, as it is now, there's they're scrambling a bit uh, to give young players a chance, and you know, they're playing two young players together because Benning and Nurse have played together at times in the past, so. Uh, there's no mentor there when you're talking about Benning and Nurse. There's no Chris Russell even to lean on if uh, things go bad. And they did go bad in New Jersey. They weren't very good. Now, Shirelli, I mean, what sort of bold move can he make? I mean, there is no, is there, you know, there's always the trade route, but how common is that to happen? Let's say by this time next month, if things really are sideways. I mean, we've already got the likes of Jason Garrison 
under contract because he came in on a PTO. Um, that's who's out there. And that's who the orders picked up and have injected into the lineup. Jakob Jarevic didn't work out. There is no trade out there, is there? We're not going to be bringing in a second or even third pairing defenseman from another team unless there's another team who needs something that we have. We're, this is what the lineup is going to be, regardless. Thick or thin, sink or swim, isn't it? Uh, I suspect that if they if start, things start to go sideways, regardless of whether Peter Shirelli wants to make a trade or not, he, he needs a, a veteran defenseman. Whether that's Tory Krug is an offensive defenseman, Austin, who's out right now with an ankle injury and wearing a boot, or it's Justin Falk in, in Carolina. He needs a veteran defenseman. He can't just keep playing the defense he's got. He'll have to trade something for to get those sort of players. Now, they're expensive players. That's the problem. Uh, and the owners don't have a lot of cap room except for the long-term injury cap room for Secker, which they can eat into now. But when Secker returns, say he returns in January sometime, then uh, they have to find a way to um, get rid of that five and a half million dollars somehow by dumping another player. So it's difficult, but that's why he's the general manager. I mean, I don't think in today's NHL you can learn on the job and win. I think you need more established players. I don't think you can play a lot of young players uh, if things start to go sideways and hope things are going to turn around. I think you have to get an, an older defenseman somehow. And if, if at the end of October uh, they're three and eight, three seven and one or something, uh, then he's got to find some help somewhere. He just can't keep going. And after three seven and one, people will be not looking at the defense; they'll be looking at the general manager and they'll be looking at the coach because they're three seven and one. So it's a vicious circle. But uh, winning, as I always say. Sometimes you walk into the dressing room and the players look like they're giving you the stink eye because they're tired of the negative questions. And my feeling always, play better or I'll write better. You know, yeah. play better, <laughs> I'll write. You'd be surprised how good my stuff is when you guys win. So <laughs> win more. And I think that's, that, you know, that's simplistic, but that's the way it is in this team now. I don't care how they play. They just have to win the games. And I think uh, whether you win them, with with a poor effort but still managed to win 4-3 that's what the orders need now they need w's more so than than looking like this is quote a process i don't think we i think we've been through that word long enough now this is a process i think that process better move on to wins uh, now speaking of the young guys evan bouchard uh, he was kept. They sent uh Caleb uh, sorry Ethan Bear back down that makes sense cuz they have bouchard for 9 games they can look at him and if he doesn't work out, they can send him back to junior and, and recall Bear. What did you see in that first game from Evan Bouchard? And, and do you think he'll last here longer than nine games? I would say it depends how the team does. I think if he's playing well enough and the team starts to win some games, I think he'll stay. I think if he's, his game is just average and the team starts to lose games, I think it becomes very easy to say, like, we don't want the young player getting caught up in this, uh, you, know, you know, rocky uh, horror show in the first month, so they'll send him back to junior. I think it has everything to do with how the team does. I thought he was fine. He wasn't great in New Jersey, but I, I, at the end of the evening, I didn't say, oh, that was a bad play, or that was a bad play, or that was a bad play. I think he was, I think for a first NHL game, I thought I didn't notice him that much, so that's usually a good thing, unless you suddenly he's got two goals and two assists because he's an offensive defenseman. I think it's always a plus for a young defenseman if 
at the end of the evening, you're saying, Ooh, you didn't screw up too often. And he didn't. You know, I can't be, you know, here we are talking like this, you know, the doom and gloom after a, you know, a loss to start the season, their own one. And here we are talking about all the things that could happen if uh, they keep down this path and keep losing. It's only been one game. What did you see that was good, Maddie, in Sweden in that Devils game? Saw Milan Lucic, who was good. It's quite good, actually. Uh, I saw the old Milan Lucic in the game where his skating was fine. Uh, he was around the net. When he had a chance, he slammed it into the net. He made a really good pass to Connor McDavid, which could have been another goal. He, he set up Leon Dreisettle for a goal. I think that was one of his best games, and I'd say the last 50. Uh, on his line, that second line, he was the best player on that line. Not Leon Dreisaitl, but Milan Lucic. Uh, I thought Connor McDavid was good as usual. I thought uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was good. I thought Ty Ratty actually stole the puck a couple of times. I think the first line was was fine. Uh, I thought Milan was really good. And I thought uh, I, the first pairing was was fine with, with Clefbaum and, and Larson. But... You know, when you lose 5-2, you know, the coaches don't want to point out too many of the individual positives. You know, he lost the game. So, uh, you know, they're not exactly throwing the bouquets at a lot of players that lost the game 5-2. But that, encouraging that Lucic, I think, for the most part, I thought played a really strong game. And he scored a couple of goals in the preseason, and he scored in the first game. All, all similar type goals in close to the net. And he looks like if he could get four or five goals in the first month, he'll get 20 again. He'll, he'll be back to getting his 20 and he'll get more confidence. And at least at the rink now, he's got a smile on his face instead of, uh, you know, walking into the dressing room and knowing what questions are coming. And, you know, nobody likes to answer the questions about why you're not doing something. They want to know why you are doing something. And uh, he certainly had a smile on his face today when he was talking to all the Boston writers. So, uh, if it had been 20 games in and he only had the one goal, I don't think he would have liked that interview much. Um, just a thought on the Bruins. They got hammered 7 nothing in their first game of the year. Seemed to have recovered well. How are they looking going into this game? Uh, played poorly, obviously, against Washington and then played two not very good teams, Buffalo yeah. and, and, Ottawa, and Ottawa. So it's tough to know if they're out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh their first line has been outstanding. Marchand's got seven assists. Bergeron got a hat trick uh, against Ottawa. He's got six points, and and Krejci's got five points. So that's uh, eighteen points in three, you know, with three players. Uh, strangely, Marchand's only got three shots in the first three games, but he's got seven assists. So that line will be a handful. I, I'm sure Connor McDavid will see a fair bit of. Bergeron. Uh, they also like uh, their fourth liner, Sean Corrali, against them because he's a strong skater, 200-pound guy. And uh, Zidino Chera will be on the ice every time he is. And as Chera was commenting this morning, when asked, you know, the league's awfully fast now and, you know, faster than it was, say, 15 years ago. And, and uh, you know, maybe you're not so fast. And he looked at, right at the questioner and said, well, if the league's faster, how am I still in it? I must have got faster too. And I don't know if he got faster, but he certainly thinks the game fast enough. And Connor you know, today was complimenting on Chara on how difficult it is, even at his age, to get around him. And he presents a much different problem than most defensemen in the league. Uh, 
it's not like going against Drew Doughty. It's, you know, he's going against a 41-year-old who's twice as old, but uh, a player who knows how to play the game, and you can't get can't get by him. And if you're on the boards and he pins you into the boards, you're not getting off the boards. So uh, it'll be an interesting test. Uh, he did say an interesting thing, Char. He said about McDavid, he said, if he'd been in the league at 16, he'd had a, he'd had 80 points. He says, of course, there was rules against him playing in the league at 16, so he couldn't be it. But he would have had 80, and he had had 90 at 17, and he had 118. So he says he's that good. So uh, I know you're asking me all these questions about what it's like, he says, for a defenseman. He says, believe me, I've heard them all before. So let's just say he's a unique player. And the changes tonight, it looks like uh, uh, Carroll will play center on the third line with Kajula, who did not play in Sweden, and Pugliarvi will play in the right wing. And on the fourth line at the practice, it looked like Ryan Strom was playing fourth line center with uh, Reeder and Cassian, and it looked like Brodziak might not play. So uh, although the coach hesitated, his, you know, he said his third and fourth line didn't play well, no matter who was on it last game. But he wasn't too happy. He kind of lumped them all in together. So he didn't say for sure that Brodziak, you know, would uh, be out or that Strom would be on the fourth line. But if Strom's on the fourth line, that's a message that he didn't like him much on the third line if he's on the checking line with, you know, Cassian and Reader. So, and then Brodziak's case, I think they just wanted, you know, he's a veteran NHL player with, you know, well over 800 games, but uh, they want to see a little bit more out of him. And like I said, when you lose, somebody's not going to play and there's, there's changes. So it'd be interesting if Kara plays center as opposed to the wing, which he played uh, in Sweden. Then Reader's another one. He's, they can't seem to figure out where to play Reader. They signed him. So he's either in the fourth line or he's on the third line, or maybe you try him on the second line. Now, that's good and bad, I guess. This shows he's versatile, but it also shows that they can't figure out where to play him. So uh, he's another one they brought in, and, and they can't figure out exactly where to play him. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.